Episode 50, Genesis 16, verses 7 to 16. Elroy, the God who sees. These podcast episodes go under the subtitle, In Search of Christ Jesus. He appears in picture and type, and he sometimes shows up quite strikingly under the title, The Angel of the Lord. In verse 7, The Angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the desert. The spring was by the road to Shur. This angel is none other than the eternal Christ, our Lord Jesus. He has already appeared at other times and will continue to appear at specific intervals in the Bible. This is our Lord, directing human history, which leads to himself and all of which is intended to teach us spiritual lessons about his wonderful working in our lives. As will happen time and time again in the Bible, it is by a spring or a well of water that many pivotal moments occur. This land is a dry and barren waste, and water is precious. Finding it in the open like this must have seemed miraculous to Hagar, but it points to the spiritual side of the account, that Jesus is our water of life and the director of our steps. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebecca, Rachel, Moses, Samson, all experienced life-changing events at a well. They all point to Jesus being the water of life, showing God's direct hand in natural circumstances. Having been brought into Abraham's camp, she would have been familiar with his worship of God, and this visitation would comfort her and assure her that the true life, which springs from God, would continue to uphold her. Hagar answered, I am running from my mistress, Sarai, the angel of the Lord said to her, Go home to your mistress and obey her. In this address, the Lord calls her as Hagar, Sarai's maid. He preempts her by stating that she is the property of Sarai. By telling her who she is and who she belongs to, he's hinting that he already knows the whole story. And in turn, because of the way he addressed her, she speaks honestly and without hiding anything. I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai, he says. Because she acknowledged this openly and truthfully, he directly gives her his response. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Had he not appeared to Hagar like this, there would have been a much less complete understanding of the doctrine of divine election, and there would be a lack in our understanding of the law versus grace, which Paul lays out in Galatians 3 and 4. After you've gone through the entire Bible and put together pieces like this, accounts which seem to have no real significance or purpose come into clarity or focus. God himself is working out a plan, and he is using these real people and their circumstances in the execution of that plan. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said, I will give you so many descendants, they cannot be counted. This verse shows us the superiority of the gospel of Jesus Christ over the law of Moses. Hagar and Ishmael are used as examples of this in the book of Galatians. They will be compared to the barren Sarai, who will eventually have a child named Isaac. Paul will compare Hagar and her son to the giving of the law of Moses at Mount Sinai, and also Jerusalem, where that law was carried out through Israel, a law which Paul calls bondage. He will then compare Sarai and her barren state to the work of Jesus, and the Jerusalem which is above, which is freedom. After making this comparison, Paul will reach back to the words of Isaiah and say this, 
for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You are not in labour, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Galatians 4 verse 27 The Lord promised Hagar that he would multiply her descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. And yet, despite this vast number, it will be inconsequential to the multitude who will be received into God's kingdom through the spiritual rebirth which comes by faith in Jesus. Verse 11. The angel also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your cries. Ishmael means God hears. Again, as has happened so many times, and as will happen numerous times in the future, the explanation of a name is given in the very verse in which the name is given. The Lord has heard Hagar's affliction and has responded. Anyone who has ever called on Jesus in their time of need could call out with confidence, Ishmael, once you've been through the valley of tears and poured out your heart to God, you know perfectly well when he responds that it was in the exact way you needed for the moment in which you were burdened. Verse 12, Ishmael will be like a wild donkey. He will be against everyone, and everyone will be against him. He will attack all his brothers. Here we have a comparison of Ishmael to a wild donkey. He will be against every man, and constantly fighting with them. And he will live in the presence, or in the face, of his brothers. And 4,000 years later, the sons of Ishmael who inhabit the world still fit this description. Ishmael is the son of Abraham, that the Arab world traces its ancestry and culture to. What an apt description of much of the Arab world today. Verse 13. The slave girl gave a name to the Lord who spoke to her. She said to him, You are God who sees me. This is because she said to herself, Have I really seen God who sees me? To name God is not within our right or authority, and we need to be careful not to be presumptuous like this ourselves. In this instance though, Hagar, an Egyptian, is given the grace of bestowing upon him a name which not only was accepted, but which is recorded for us today. She said, You are El Roy, you are the God who sees. In other words, because the Lord told her what her son's name would be, and then explained all that would come to pass from his generations, she is saying, I have seen what you intend. It is an exclamation of his transcendence over time. He is the God who sees, not just now, but into the future, and through all things. Before we move on, we should look at five particular reasons why we can discern that this is, in fact, the Lord Jesus, who is fully God and who was manifest in the flesh. It was he who spoke to Hagar and not just a messenger. The first is that he promised to accomplish something that only God could accomplish, and he foretold the future in a way only God can. He did this at the time of Adam, at the time of Noah, earlier with Abraham and elsewhere. He told her that she would bear a son, and then described what he would be like, even throughout future generations. Secondly, when she spoke to him, she clearly identified him as God, El Roy, the God who sees. Were this not true, then it would either be Satan trying to usurp God, or, if a good angel, he would have refused the title, 
just as the angel in Revelation refused worship. Scripture records neither, and therefore this is Jesus, who is God. Third, when this was recorded by Moses, the writings designated him as Jehovah. The record states, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Lord, in this verse, is the divine name, Jehovah. This name is not ever, ever given to a created being. It is the divine name of the God of power and perfection. We can compare this account and the angel who appears with the redeeming angel in Genesis 48 verse 16, the angel of God's presence in Isaiah 63 verse 9, the angel of the covenant in Malachi 3 verse 1, as well as other appearances by this angel, which are always and only applied to the divine God. Fifth, what we have seen cannot in any way be related to a created being. The knowledge, works and authority belong to God alone. And because this angel is visible to the human eye, it must be the second member of the triune Godhead, Jesus Christ. We know this because the Bible, on many occasions, says that no one has seen God, that God is invisible, that God dwells in an unapproachable light, etc. Only when God united with humanity could man see the image of God in human form, Jesus Christ. Verse 14 and 15. So the well there was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It is between Kadesh and Beret. Hagar gave birth to a son for Abram, and Abram named him Ishmael. In fulfillment of the promise to Hagar, and in obedience to the name given by the Lord, the son born to Abram by Hagar is named Ishmael. God heard, God saw, God promised, and God delivered. Verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. It is now 11 years since Abram entered the promised land, and the year is 2095, Anno Mundi. He has finally had a son at the youthful age of 86. This is where the chapter ends, and it leaves us in anticipation of more excitement in the lives of Abram and Sarai as they live in the presence of the God who sees and controls the destinies of man. God is in control of your destiny as well, and he may be calling out to you if you will only call upon his son Jesus and his sacrificial atonement, subsequent burial and resurrection to be born again. God keeps every promise which proceeds from his word because he is the covenant-keeping, all-knowing, all-seeing Lord. Elroy, the God who sees. Hallelujah and Amen.